There he is. All right. All right, Rick. Welcome back to the Marks. Ex- Yay. I'm so glad to be back. All right. Um, so, how's my mic quality? Can you hear me? Um, yeah, I can hear you. How am I on my end? You're good. You're beautiful, as always. Okay, Ricky, why don't you introduce today's topic? All right. So, today... Hello, Ricky Garrix. We're, we're, we're doing a topic. All right, it's so like, today we today we are going one. to be discussing divisive uh, divisive protagonists. Uh, Ricky, why don't you define what protagonist is, just for people who don't know? All right, so your protagonist is your lead character. Yep. That's it. Yep, and uh, morally ambiguous is kind of the term that I like to use when describing protagonists. Um, and I, and I, I use this term loosely because today we're not. What? Like, can you, can you explain what we mean by controversial protagonists? Um, all right. So controversial, controversial protagonists, um, for those of you who have seen films such as Joker, where you have a lead character who is um, someone that the audience would not tip- typically root for. Um, so, like you said, morally either not necessarily ambiguous, but morally in a direction, leaning in a direction that goes against. Um, what is the typical um, standard your, of your norms? Um, yeah. So, so when I think of, in a modern sense, I actually think Joker is like a perfect example to use for this, um, because everyone that I know who's talked to, everyone thinks that Joker is a super solid movie. Um, like I, I think Joker is fantastic. I don't I, know about you. I think that without that lead performance, it is in. All yeah, right, I, film. Yes, but I think that, Joaquin Phoenix is that just... performance carries that film, and it works because the the whole movie is about him more so than a lot of other films uh, treat their protagonists. Because there, if you think about that movie, there is not one scene that he is not in. Yeah. So the movie, the movie does not have any side plots. The movie has no. I mean, there, there, there are. There's kind of this political overtone to the movie that's not really it kind of plays out in the background while you yeah. see Joaquin Phoenix going about his everyday life but Joker does not make you sympathize with the 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 villain because obviously we know coming into the movie Joker you know he's a murderer he's yeah. insane he's this maniacal anarchist who plays foil to Batman mm-hmm. however Joker proves something that I have long espoused with screenwriting where you don't necessarily need a sympathizable protagonist to be good. Um, Because I don't know how much you sympathize with... Spoilers for Joker, by the way. I don't know how much you sympathize with Arthur Fleck, which is the name that he's given throughout the movie. Um, I really don't. Like, I don't sympathize with the guy. I feel... I don't really feel bad for him. I... I, I, Because, you know, what Joker does is mainly because of his mental health 
and the society that he's raised with. Um, and and Joker is very much a political movie. Like, there's definitely political tones in it. Oh yeah. But but can you kind of explain how uh, Arthur Fleck is framed in Joker and why he's not necessarily someone you should root for, but why you can understand where he's coming from? Um. Well. They they frame him in this movie as a lot of. Well, like you said, there's a lot of talk about mental illness and him not being treated correctly and the society around him contributing to his madness. But there are certain choices throughout that are clearly of his own, like, um, of his own sane mind, sane used in air quotes, um, that make you say, well, while some of this I can understand... Uh, and sympathize with or empathize with um, like when he kills the kills the three men yeah in the subway you understand it but part of you is like you decided to do that like the, the first guy you're kind of like oh he finally stood up for himself the second guy you're well, yeah. like oh and by the time he's like chasing down that final guy it's clearly in his control yeah, he's he's enraged. He becomes obsessed with the killing. Um, and and keep in mind that what I love about Joker as a character piece is that it doesn't try to make him a hero. Joker does not make you. Joker is a deeply disturbing movie. It is a Joker is. Ba- I, it's not a horror movie, but it unnerves me more than any horror movie I've watched in the past two years, probably. I walked out of the theater from seeing Joker with chills down my spine. Um, I don't know about you, but I find the movie to be deeply disturbing. Um, because at its core, Joker is about humanity. It's about the levels that humans will go to when their mental health is not treated and when their society does not care about it. I think that film, when I first saw it, I saw it, like, not necessarily opening night, but a couple days after. Uh, yeah, same. Pack, I saw it at Pax Theater. Um and there was this weird sense of we all knew what we were seeing was like a good movie but at the same time there's just something so off it's dark about it it is and, and it is the the issue that like i think makes people get a little antsy about it is that what makes that film kind of off center off kilter what unsettles you is how you can see it in a modern light. Yeah, you you relate you, it you, to you, real you life. Things, you see things reflected with his mental health issues, um, and so and so Joker is not a likable protagonist per se. I don't think anybody wants to 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 see this murderer be successful. But you don't watch movies like Joker wanting to see the protagonist be successful. You want to see how he gets there. Right, because we know where yeah. Joker ends up. We know where where he eventually, what he becomes. Mm-hmm. Um, but we want to see that journey. And another movie that Joker takes a lot of ties from is Taxi Driver. Um, Taxi Driver is very similar to Joker. It follows a lot of the same tropes. It takes place in a city that's supposed to be like Chicago or New York. Taxi Driver takes place in New York. It follows a depressed obsessive um drunkard who basically becomes the hero of his own story but you don't sympathize with him either he's bad 
Like he, like the the protagonist in Taxi Driver, I forget his name specifically. He's a bad dude. He goes around. He, he murders people. He, and he does it. He does it out of his his own like self righteous uh, view of the world. And another movie that is perfect for this that I I cannot sing how much I love this movie. American Psycho is probably my favorite movie of all time. I absolutely adore this film. And it's again very similar to the Joker in the sense that you're not rooting for Christian Bale's character because the guy is a psychopath. He is a murderer. He is a rapist. He he like kills stray cats on the street and there are scenes where he drops chainsaws into people and there are heads in his fridge. But at the same time, he's the protagonist of the movie. He is not the antagonist of the movie. And American Psycho is generally regarded to be a pretty decent film. Um, pretty decent to masterpiece, depending on where you view it. It's a masterpiece if you think so, otherwise you don't actually know how to analyze film. But movies like this are perfect case studies because you you don't necessarily need to create... And, and I, I want to ask you about this, Rick, because I think movies like Joker, American Psycho, Taxi Driver, King of Comedy, which is another one, these movies are, are off-putting to people because you don't have a hero. You know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have a hero that they can rally behind. It's not like you have a Captain America or an Iron Man um, to be like, oh, he's going to stand up and... St-. You know you're watching the protagonist who's also the villain of the story from a moral standpoint because they're murderers. They're they're drug addicts. They're murderers. But, but in a larger sense, I've noticed Hollywood tends to do this more recently where they're pushing the envelope with with what the idea of a protagonist is. And can, can you can you kind of give your views on like a lot of the criticism to people who, who kind of want that that there always has to be a hero in a movie? I, I think a lot of people don't like it because a lot of the general public, the general audience just wants to go see a, like just, just a regular old movie. Like if they're seeing something that people are calling in one way or another a comic book film uh, they're going into that with expectations like if someone was telling their friend to go see Joker and they're like oh yeah it's a comic book movie based off like the Batman character or whatever they probably but they didn't know anything else about the movie they'd probably be like oh so it's gonna be this uh, Batman versus um, Joker story maybe told from a different point of view but you know there's gonna be a good guy or there's kind of or like it's just going to be a popcorn film a a lot of general audiences just want something simpler and that's understandable for the longest time um tv and even still to this day tv um film all kinds of media entertainment like that only served the purpose of just distracting the public yeah it's either distracting or propagandic propagandizing yeah um which you know is is really telling because this is where i want to shift this from like protagonist to the idea of a quote-unquote deep movie because joker american psycho uh taxi driver films like these are films that intentionally do not have a hero and as such allow the writers to be very very uh critical of society right like, take American Psycho, for example. We've already discussed what Joker criticizes. It criticizes the influence of the wealthy. It criticizes the lack of mental health awareness. 
that is present in society. It criticizes how the underclass is ruled by some capitalist overlords. I mean, those are all very apparent throughout the mm-hmm. film. American Psycho criticizes materialism, consumerism, and the, the greedy culture of the rich. Taxi Driver does the same exact things that Joker and American Psycho do, do though to, in my opinion, less successful. Probably my least favorite of all three films. I would probably say American Psycho is my favorite, and then Joker, then a pretty big gap in Taxi Driver. That being said, Hollywood in recent years has kind of moved away to- from like this hero mentality of you need like a knight in shining armor or a horseback rider to save the day, towards almost like making criticizing society the cornerstone of what a film is, if you catch yeah. my drift. Um, and I, yeah, go ahead. I, I think people are starting to, I, I don't want to say just get smarter, but people are starting to think about what they want to watch more. Like, it, even ignoring the protagonist and uh, topic, if you just look at some of the films that have been coming out, like the rise in the popularity of Christopher Nolan and his films, like um, Inception is a movie that you really do need to think about. You need to pay attention. It's not something you can necessarily relax while you're watching it. You're... Interstellar is yeah, a good one too. All his his he has another one coming out this year, um, and people are really getting into that. People are starting to look at these, um, starting to look at entertainment media, just with with a deeper lens. Yeah, it's like a, a different lens, and it's almost like films are becoming more artsy in yeah. that sense. And even people who tried to do this, I know you know a director who was doing this from the 60s, was Stanley Kubrick. I mean, Stanley Kubrick's movies, I don't know if you've ever seen them, a lot of them are weird. Like, a lot of them are very, very strange. Um, 2001, A Space Odyssey, widely regarded as one of the best science fiction films of all time. This movie, in its sequel, 2010, The Year We Make Contact, is summed up in one sentence. That being said, 2001 is two and a half hours long because you have entire shots where Kubrick frames the camera in such a way that it's just a spaceship moving towards Jupiter to analyze this big this big black object. The movie has very little dialogue. It's mainly like opera themes like Beethoven and, and um, Strakowski are used a lot in it. So Kubrick, that film was panned when it first came out. The Shining, The Shining is a movie that has a lot of like subliminal undertones to it and a lot of social criticisms, and in many ways very similar to what Joker is. But that movie was panned when it came out. When it came out, and nowadays, The Shining is considered one of the best horror movies of all time because you don't just take it at face value. And 2001 for the same reasons. So Kubrick was a visionary in what he was doing. Forty years before we arrived here today. I mean, look at a movie like Parasite. Parasite is a movie that you need to think about too, and it won Best Picture last year, and is a phenomenal movie. Um. And so I think that, you know, maybe that's always been an element of Hollywood. David Lynch was doing it with films like Eraserhead, which is just like the equivalent of being on drugs, if you've ever seen it. That movie is just so weird. Mahala Drive is so strange, but like there's something deeper. There's something beneath that that surface value. And I think we as cinema goers have to be open to that in the American mainstream now. So, I mean, what, what what's your take? Do you think we're going to see more of these movies? Um... Uh, it really depends I think there, because there's a lot um, of value in a movie that makes you think and I, I don't want every movie I see to be something that is just so 
beyond comprehension of it in a stupid way. Like, I don't need... I don't want every movie I see yeah. to be Inception. Uh, Inception is such a confusing movie. I, I watch that movie and I'm like, what am I watching? And, and it's a good film. Uh, it's just... Oh, Inception is a good movie. Yeah. It's just confusing. Um, and so it's like, my answer is yes. I think that we will probably see more of these like artistic sort of like social commentary films because I think that we've kind of developed as a society into like accepting that. I, I um, think, well, because here's the thing. They've always been around. The question is whether or not yeah, like they've been there. go into mainstream more. And I think it... We will, but it's going to be a slower progression. It, it's because even Parasite, it, if someone had told me like t- a couple years ago that the best picture winner was going to be a film that you have to read the subtitles for, I would have hit. T- thought about the American public for one second and said that's never going to happen you know what's you know what's actually really funny is that Parasite is a great case study because there are people who don't want cinema to move in this direction and because we're moving in that direction you know what's funny is American cinema has actually really always been lacking in this if you look at international films like I know the French the French scene has been artistic for years um, Asian Asian cultures have been producing uh, movies that are very operatic. Yeah, we're very much American culture in general uh, is very Chinese much like in a bubble of we are the standard of just whatever is going on here yeah. is the standard. And so when we see something like a parasite, and we're told that oh no, this actually these kind of films are made a lot in other places it kind of blows our mind because we're like how in the world it's like huh well maybe we have to like move beyond hollywood maybe not everything is in the hills of los angeles and you know this deep protagonist like i bet people are going to listen to this and be like oh why did you bring up the example of the protagonist it's because like cinema's changing cinema's changing it has changed so much in the past 20 years and it's going to continue to change you know what i mean like i don't think that we're going to necessarily be seeing like an Avengers Endgame or or something or like another MCU or like even even movies that even movie franchises that have been around for 40, 50, 60 years have had to change the way that they they operate. I look at James Bond, for example. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of the old James Bond movies and a lot of them are the same thing. Uh, you know, some spy, mm-hmm. the new woman, every movie that miraculously dies at the end of it. But nowadays, you look at movies like Skyfall and Spectre, which Spectre is not a very good film, but like movies like Skyfall, for example, are very cerebral uh, compared to other James Bond movies. And you're like, damn, well, that's the uh, that's that's just a reflection of maybe the way society's moving. I would say movies like uh, Infinity War and Endgame are more cerebral than the earlier Marvel films, because um, I think Thanos is is kind of. Thanos, in oh, many yeah. ways, is he's, the protagonist of Infinity War. He's in it the most. Um, which, by the way, Thanos is a brilliantly written character. We could do an entirely episode, yeah. entire episode I, of Thanos. I love the guy. I, I think. Well, I, was gonna say, I like I him in really Infinity War. I do not like him in Endgame. In Endgame. I, I hated him in Endgame. Sure. Well, no, we have time. We can talk about Thanos. 
so so why is why is Thanos a good case study? Well, Thanos is a good case study because a lot of people saw yeah. the the two movies. In, Infinity War, for me, will always be a movie that I walked out of and I was like, damn, that was a good movie. That was a good ass movie, and I cannot wait to see what Endgame is. And I think Endgame falls victim to the same things that Return of the Jedi did, where it's like, okay, you follow up this dark, gritty movie that deals with your heroes losing where in many ways infinity war is basically empire but better because empire did not humanize darth vader thanos is humanized give, give, give us a description ricky of, of why thanos is such a well, once he's likable but like you see where he's coming from. like how is he they, they, they take time in the film to have scenes where he legitimately does sit down and have a conversation about this is what i'm doing this is why i'm doing it goes into his backstory it gives him reasoning and and it's not reasoning that's like yeah like we don't oh, tony stark spit in my face at a party once and now i'm gonna kill some some kids or whatever the heck (laughs) it's reasoning whereas like i tried to do the what i thought was right and everybody was like you're crazy and then i ended up being right. yeah i tried to and so yeah, I tried to save my planet, and I have examples where it's working, so why don't we do this? So, Infinity War makes Thanos the hero of his own story, and I'm like, damn, this is a good villain. So I come in the endgame, and I'm like, I want to see Thanos in victory, right? I want to see Thanos, what he does after he accomplishes what he... Like, because Th- if Thanos was a real villain, in, or at least if Thanos was a conqueror, he would take over the universe. But he doesn't do that. Thanos' goal is to prevent what happened on Titan from happening across the galaxy, despite how yeah. narcissistic and egocentric it is, right? He wants to preserve the sanctity of the galaxy for future generations by having all resources. Cool. He doesn't want to conquer anything. He literally says after he succeeds, he's going to rest and watch the sun rise on a grateful universe. So why do so many people... I, half the praise I saw for Infinity War from critics was Thanos is a villain. They're like, he's a good villain. I understand where he's coming from. He's one of the best-written cinematic villains in history because we spend so much time with him. And then Endgame comes out, and dear lord, the 2014 version of Thanos yeah, just undoes all weird... of that and is just a conqueror. In Endgame, you get this weird kind of... Because in the beginning of that movie, you kill off the the Thanos that essentially had all that development. And I was like, okay, he's dead. Like, oh, no. I actually I respected that, that, by the way. Really I actually well thought that that was a, a lot of the different that was a cool decision. Arcs. Um, but then when you introduce this younger Thanos, he does have all that character development, but you don't feel like it anymore. But it's not you feel shown. like this is a new person, and so I that's, didn't that's... care. So, like, what is the development that happens well, between yeah, 2014 think and about it. whenever, he, like, 2019 throughout or the, 2018? The earlier half of the, the, well, throughout the half of the MCU, like, 2014 to 2018, where Thanos does start to show up, a lot of things happen, such as the Guardians of the Galaxy films, which very much involve him in one way or another. Impact and him. he does have all these different incidents and, like, Age of Ultron, he's clearly at least aware of what happened. He's he he learns all these things that prepare yeah, him. Keep in mind all all of the 
all of the Titan stuff yeah. happened before 2014. Because in 2014, the quest that he started was finished at the the end of Infinity War. Because like that's the point. Like like it's th- he was doing this all in the background while the MCU was yeah. happening, and so he was like the shadowy figure, right? But like so, so even from 2014, before he witnesses the events of those four years, he um he's like he's like oh well you know I I I still am doing this because I think I'm so high and mighty that what my vision of the universe is, is is what's best for it and then endgame comes along and undoes all of that and so endgame you get a you get a less complete narrative it feels like with endgame you kind of get a movie that feels like it inevitably was doomed to be worse than infinity war because it's trying to yeah, I don't... to you know make our heroes I... win again like i, I honestly infinity i think war i think infinity is war is probably... much better than endgame a better it's a better movie to just I don't know. They're both. It's bro. It's it, it, it's a better story. Here's what I'll say. It's a it's a better Endgame story. It's a better narrative. A film is that time jump because a lot of the choices oh, yeah, that it's, characters it's, it's make very, after the very, time jump, I'm completely fine with, and they all like a lot of people were frustrated with were upset with like, oh, what's Captain America doing? He's just doing support groups or. Um, Thor is just fat now, or blah, blah 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 blah, and those are things that yeah, things I like that I those. Like, it showed flaws, but it's what our characters doing to be. The MCU has been moving chronologically with its audience. Like eight years ago, uh, like it started yeah, over like, ten we don't years see... ago, and I've been able to, as I've grown up, I've been able to see all the MCU films and. I've seen them, you know, in the correct amount of time. But you get to Endgame and you have, as soon as that time jump happens, you are no longer with the characters. Yeah, so they develop on their own. And the point of that, like, as a structure is to show what your characters do and defeat. Yeah, because and they're that's... superheroes. They're not used to losing. I, I like the time jump. I like oh, Endgame. It's definitely I think it's one movie. of my I favorites. Like, I, like, I, like I that film like I just, that I'm... more than I like my... Infinity War. I'm not saying it's a better film, but okay. That's a sin. That's a sin. But I, I, but I will say that I, I just do not like what they did with Thanos in, in yeah. Endgame. I think I, I lament what they did with him. Um, like in a sense, like I don't think he's treated awfully. I just wish they could have done more. Yeah, it's. But a then weird... again, if you do that, they, uh, Endgame they, just becomes like so a much they could have done. That I think, it's, it's, with the ten years you, they you had before yeah. them, and because with all this hype surrounding have, them, they absolutely did the best possible job that they could have. Yeah, and and it's yeah. like, and it's like you have such a tall task to live up to with Endgame. Like I, I completely respect you know the movie that we got was good, and it's it there are very yeah. few flaws in Endgame. I think that there are flaws, but the flaws that are there are just are are largely you know, forgivable. I don't think it's a bad movie, and I like rewatching it. I, I think that the that as a narrative structure, it's fine, and it's not as artistic as Infinity War is. And you know me, I like these deep movies. I think Infinity War is the MCU equivalent of what Joker is. Sure. Uh, specifically because it is a movie about Thanos, not about the Avengers, and sure. Endgame is a movie about the Avengers, not Thanos. Um, and so Endgame just kind of feels like, you know, oh, we're back to what the MCU was, 
and Infinity War kind of just feels like a departure from the established thematics and tropes that we had with the MCU, um, or at least up until that point established. So I think I think in kind of a, a more narrow sense, you can kind of look at Infinity War in a vacuum, sure, and be yeah. like, this is a good artistic movie. Um, and I'm not talking like cinematography. No, I, I mean like narrative structure. When I say artistically throughout this episode, I don't mean like like cinematography wise. Yeah, every MCU film is, is brilliant because they have the budget to afford big explosions and like Endgame. Just the final battle is incredible. Like that that entire final act of the movie is is visually stunning. Um, and you know, um, but uh, do you have anything else you want to add to this? I think the only thing we didn't really touch on is protagonists that are really uh in between so not quite uh complete cute like awful villain like joker turns out to be but not quite like your fantastic good guy like a captain america i think uh, yeah, yeah i think and i mean they, they um, exist they're a like good movie I was thinking about for that was, I brought it up in an earlier episode, um, Drive with Ryan Gosling. Um, it's on Netflix, so if you haven't seen it, you should really watch it. It's another, it's, there's not a whole lot of dialogue, but a lot of what, a lot of what you need to know, you can get from just watching. Bro, well, I don't I even think you brought up the best there. example. Next, Blade Runner. But, um, well, Drive is yeah, yeah, the, so the character in the... Spoilers for Drive. Uh, light spoilers, I think. We'll see. Um, in, in this, the character, he's like a really good driver. Um, but And he works as a stuntman and like a mechanic. But at night, he's a getaway driver. And he you know, starts to fall in love with his neighbor, but his neighbor, neighbor's, uh, his neighbor's husband, husband, um, is coming back from jail. And when he comes back from jail, he befriends, uh, Gosling's character. And then this leads to him having to do one last, uh, the husband has to do one last job. And so Gosling, uh, says, all right, I'll help you so you can get out of this. And then, from that point on the movie takes a real like hard hard turn into that there's some real brutal violence wherein up to that point you've seen gosling like the his neighbor has like a kid and you've seen him take care of the kid and take care of the girl and do all these kind things and he's just a good driver he's like a good guy like the strong but silent type um, but also like kind and silent but then up once you get to that one uh, that one job it for one reason or another it goes south and then Gosling's character in order to track down some people who who made it go south he just turns into this essentially what is the equivalent of a like a killing machine he starts he like, hunts down um, a crime boss and starts the conversation by walking in, getting a hammer and smashing his fingers. He, towards the end of the film, he like kicks a guy's face in literally. It, 
it's this weird like he's walking the line the whole time of you're a good guy but you're going about this through like some really harsh and violent the wrong ways and there's by the end of the film I found myself I thinking that he was because you want to like him but he does some real yeah because you think he's doing a no and he well yeah yeah it's it's that like that noble pursuit um and like the reason I want to bring a Blade Runner here which is one of my favorite movies I think Blade Runner and its oh, sequel yeah. are phenomenal. Phenomenal. Blade Runner 2049 oh, is one a of my great movie. Of all time. Blade Runner Blade Runner is a movie that discusses humanity very extensively and so the basic short premise of the movie is that you have this guy named Rick Decker, he's going to go um he's a he's what's called a Blade Runner so they kill these things called replicants which are basically just androids and he they're like there's like four of them residing illegally on Earth. And this takes place in a very like rundown, trodden, industrialized kind of film noir thing or setting. And so throughout the movie, you see Decker killing these these androids. Um, spoiler alert: it's never exclusively confirmed, but if you watch the the full version and its sequel, it's basically confirmed that Decker is a replicant himself. Um, and he so throughout the film, he comes to realize this. And so by the time he gets to the final replicant, um, you know, there's this big speech about what is humanity, uh, dealing with rain. Very, very good movie. Uh, but so you, you kind of have this Rick Decker's character who's torn between his human self and replicant self, and he's killing his own people. And while the movie never explicitly says this, it's implied. The, the whole thing with the, the unicorn and the dreams, that is supposed to symbolize, you know, him being a replicant or Decker being a replicant. So... You know, he, he's going about killing his own people, but he's also trying to do what's in the best interest of humanity because replicants are very violent. So you kind of get this character. Uh, Harrison Ford exists in this weird middle ground. Um, so it's like, do I root for him? Do I not? So I don't know. That's generally like the, the narrative structure of yeah. Blade Runner, you'd say, right? And, and like the sequel's more nuanced. Blade Runner 2049 yeah, I, is a very I, I complicated, very long movie. That's That's one of the most interesting protagonists Blade Runner 2049 that I think I've ever seen because Ryan, yeah, Ryan Gosling again, again by the way Ryan Gosling um, because by the end of that movie you realize that this guy who's thought he was maybe some, he starts out unimportant you watch the movie and you think oh he's this actually he's this really important guy he's because of this this and that he's like the key to everything and by the but towards the end of the movie, they say, no, that's all fake. You are, for for a manner of speaking, you are nobody. And I think that's such... Yeah. It's such a weird, heartbreaking kind of... Like, you've been rooting for this guy the whole time. And by the end, you're like, oh, man... <laughs> Yeah, no, Blade Runner and its sequel are great movies to talk about this kind of gray area. Like, Blade Runner is, you ask anybody what one of the best science, some of the best science fiction movies of all time, Blade Runner and 2049 are usually up there. Um, they are fantastic movies, and people who watch sci-fi generally sit through 2001, which is your operatic space epic. They sit through uh, these films. So people who watch a lot of science fiction movies are used yeah. to really weird 
complicated narratives because that's what the genre is and always has been. It's always just been an outlet, you know, through science fiction to express, which is probably my favorite, if not one of my favorite genres up there with horror. You know, it's, it's always been a very complicated films because Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 are very, very long and they explore the complex themes. If they're not all movies, if they're on Netflix, I don't know if 2049 is. Uh, 2049 I, I know is Blade not. Runner is. The final cut version of Blade Runner is. Oh. Which, by the way, if you don't like symbolism, do not watch Blade Runner. There is yeah. so much also, symbolism in that movie. By it, the way, gorgeous it, film. I watched the final cut, and that's the only other... That's the only version of it I've seen. And it... It's it, it's the only one you should watch. It's, it's the best, the but best I, version. But I do think I might have liked to have narration. Because there's... Without it, it is just a lot of panning shots of a flying it is, car. It is a Kubrick movie. With, with, without the narration in Blade Runner, it becomes a yeah. Stanley Kubrick movie. And that's intentional because there's this whole overarching theme in this episode of of artistic films that are deep yeah, and you have to and think it's... about. And like Blade Runner proves that those can be successful. You don't need a protagonist who's a good or bad guy that can just be gray. I would say that that final cut, though, n- nowhere in there did I ever like even see the question of is he a replicant or not, which I thought was weird. Like, did you... Did you... Did you assume he wasn't? Or I, I assume assumed he was? that he was a regular guy, and I was fine with that by the end of the movie. Like it never came up while I was watching that he might be a replicant. So I, I think the film Blade Runner takes a whole yeah, new level so. if you consider that he is a replicant. Like that, because that is the mystery of the original one. Like like when Blade Runner first came out, people were debating. It's like, is Luke real or is Vader really yeah. Luke's father? Like, it, there's this great debate. Is what? is Rick Decker a, a replicant? And you watch 2049, and it is painfully obvious I he is a replicant. I think there's enough in that movie to say that it could still go either way. There's enough in 2049 yeah, that like you I'm, could say, oh yeah, he is, or oh yeah, he isn't. But, like, he becomes a morally ambiguous character by assuming he's killing his own kind. Because by the end of the t- by, by the end of the movie, when he reaches the final replicant, who gives that beautiful speech like in the rain like he knows if he is a replicant he knows he is one because there's this imagery throughout the movie of of this um this like origami unicorn pegasus thing that is like that symbolism is is to say that he's a replicant because there's a character who makes those when he knows those replicants and he gives decker one and decker has a dream about it and the title of the book that blade runner is based on is called do androids dream of electric sheep well the the electric sheep takes the form of the Pegasus, and the point is is that replicants can dream. Um, and so, I cannot talk about how much I love Blade Runner, but it, it's just it's such a beautiful movie. And like, yes, twenty forty nine leaves a lot open to interpretation because it doesn't explicitly say if Decker is a replicant or not. I just think about that scene with Jared yeah, Leto, that's though. The, that's the one um, scene where where he's talking. I mean, that's the really like, only like, scene Jared that gives Le- you any indication explicitly but he, he he talks about killing your own kind and it's like well is he talking about humans because decker does kill humans at one point or is he talking about killing replicants because that's yeah. what a blade runner is um and it's like it's like well damn this movie is complicated and i love it by the way your mic cut out for like a little bit of the portion when you're talking about drive but i can't really edit it out so i'm just probably gonna add a sound effect there 
Um, but like, I still was able to sure. get the gist of what you were saying. Um, it, it, it made sense. I, I think this is actually probably one of the better, like, deeper discussions yeah. we've had on this podcast. Out of the three um, that we've had, because so far. We, we kind, of, well, we, we moved from. Like, this is going to be the longest episode, too. This one's going to probably be upwards of 42, 43 minutes by the time I cut it off. But, like, we we reached out a lot of movies today. Um, and if you, I would recommend watching all of these. They're all very good movies. Um, if you get bored easily, do not watch 2001. Do not watch The Shining. I'd say more so 2001. Blade Runner is a movie that I think you can kind of enjoy, like, regardless of whether or not you want to look at it as a yeah. deep movie because it's just, it's a pretty film. Um, especially Blade yeah. Runner 2049. That Blade movie Runner is 2049, criminally underrated. It's not underrated so much as it just did not get attention because of how it's practically what? a three-hour film. I think... And it's... I mean, yeah, I think everybody assumed it was going to be dog shit. Like, I'm not going to lie. I think, I, oh, I think yeah, everybody assumed the movie was going to be astonishing shit. Astonishing that they were able I to follow up such a cult classic and it was as good as it was. Bro... By the way, Harrison Ford deserves an Oscar for his work in Blade Runner. Um, and it's criminally, it, it's awful that he didn't get it. But like, dude, I, I watched 2049 the day it came out. I came out of that movie and I'm like, I went into this movie with very, very low expectations. Because I hadn't read any of the, the reviews because I wanted my my viewing of it to be like, okay, yeah. I want to be as spoiler-free as possible. I came out of 2049. I looked at my dad and I'm like, because we both love the original film. And I'm like, I think that's a pretty damn good follow-up. Like, I need to watch it again. I've I... only seen the movie twice. And I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it both times I've watched it, but it's one of those movies that I, I want to yeah, watch. I've it's seen on my it list. once, but it's it, it is something I want to watch again. I I just have the problem knowing how much time it's gonna take, and there's a lot. Of, like oh I my god, it is it is something, especially now that I have the time during all this COVID stuff. If I'm gonna watch something, I want to be able to invest in it. Like, that's part of why I love the movie-going experience. It gives me the time to connect with a character, whereas if I'm at home and I put something on, there's a good chance that I'm going to get distracted or do something else while I'm watching it. Real quick, let me, let me before we, we wrap up this episode, let me just talk about how much I hate when movies like Joker get sequels. I hate when movies like that get sequels because generally the sequels are like, okay, the first, like American Psycho made a lot oh, yeah. of money. Uh, at DVD sales, because, oh great! Everybody's like Christian Bale's a great actor. So what do they do? They make they take a movie that had nothing to do with American Psycho, called American Psycho Two, and then add a narration about how Patrick Bateman, who is the quote unquote main character of the the movie, you know how he dies and how this this guy this he- hero of the next movie is his prodigy, and then you just get American Psycho Two, which is just a shitty slasher, and it just like yeah, degrades I... the name of the original movie. And I'm like, like what? Why? If Joker this, gets a sequel, here's it's the not thing: some Joker is getting a sequel. Be it's been confirmed now. Yes, whether Joaquin Phoenix is in it. Well, because here's like the thing. why a, you a cannot lot of it is actually Joaquin. He's the one who's well, been money. who is adamant about it because I watched a lot of like the interviews for that movie because I wanted to just know what they were thinking throughout the process. And Joaquin had said that he going into Joker he like found himself realizing that that role was his dream role and that he dude he's really good good and also clearly cares about it and wants to do it right and so the sequel is the sequel is kind of have to it's kind of be interesting because I 
Okay, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, ma- I wouldn't be mad if we get a sequel to Joker that's like Blade Runner. But how do you do that? Is the is the thing? Because there's part of me that wants I mean, to I, see. You, oh, is he the real Joker? Is um just is he just the inspiration for the real Joker? Um, are we kind of see ba- Batman? Because at the end of when I finished, like the after the first time I saw Joker. One thing I really did want to see was what that Batman grew up to be and how and, and because you would think yeah he's kind of grow up to be Batman we all know Batman but there's something about just how it all relates and how interconnected they made it in Joker that I would genuinely be intrigued to see if Batman cuz he's the world's greatest detective if he inevitably found out that it was Joker responsible, all these things, blah, blah, blah. But at the same time, I recognize how that could devalue the point. Yeah, it devalues the point of the original film because honestly, yeah. it's just you don't necessarily need um, you don't necessarily need like it, exactly. the answers That's... to the questions in Joker. It doesn't matter if Joker because like those those questions are not the larger point of the movie. The point of the movie is not to make it a movie about yeah, Joker. It's... it's a movie about mental health. Um, which I, I cannot sing praises enough about Joker. I think it's an absolutely amazing movie. And if Parasite would not have wanted, I think it my second pick to uh, probably my second pick to win Best Picture. Um, even though I don't know, twenty nineteen had a bunch of bunch of super super solid. Films. Yeah. Uh, uh, we so. One of these episodes, no, I, we should get into the Tarantino films. There's, there's. Oh boy, Quentin yeah. Tarantino. I was thinking about you said 2019 movies, and I was trying to think about what else was nominated, and I was thinking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um. Well, you know what? There's this wonderful thing called Pulp Fiction. Great movie if you yeah, if you haven't watched it. All right, so I'm gonna actually oh, sign yeah. off because this episode is long as. This episode is long as hell and I need to edit it. Pardon my French, but I think this was a very informative and very artistically inclined discussion. Um, All right. Uh, Get marked.